You're listening to WO Voices, a podcast series from Women in Optometry magazine. I'm Marjolyn Bailefeld, editor of Women in Optometry. We're delighted you can join us. Welcome to WO Voices. We're here today with Dr. Whitney Torito, OD. Dr. Torito and her husband, Dr. John Menard, are co-owners of Eyes on the Diamond in State College, Pennsylvania. We're going to talk a little bit about how you two became practice owners and what the perpetuation of private practice means to you. Welcome, Dr. Torito. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much, Marjolyn. I'm so happy to be here today. What made you decide that you were ready to take this leap from being an associate um, to becoming a, a practice owner? Yeah. So, you know, for me, um, it really wasn't ever a, a leap of faith. I mean, I always knew uh, that I was wanting to be in private practice uh, from the start. You know, I was an associate for five years before we bought our first practice. And um, even when I was an associate every day, I knew that my end goal was to be a, a private practice owner. Um, so it, it really wasn't a uh, like a light bulb never went off and be like, oh, today I'm an associate, tomorrow I'm an owner. Um, I always had the thinking that I'm going to be an owner. Um, and I think that kind of stems from, you know, my childhood. Uh, I grew up in an optometric family. My dad is a private practice optometrist. And I was, you know, fortunate to kind of watch him um, go through his own transitions, his own, you know, from being an associate to a partner uh, to buying out his partner. Um, and then, you know, moving locations, building a new building, growing. Uh, so I've been able to watch that naturally. Um, and I always knew that that's what I wanted. So that can be a pretty intimidating step, though, even if even if you kind of grow up in that culture. <laughs> um, what? How did you navigate that process of, of buying a practice? And what kind of help did you have along the way? Great question. So, you know, John and I, uh, we've, like I said, we've been in private practice. He was in, he was in private practice seven years uh, before we bought Dr. Halen's practice, but we've always been in uh, vision source practices. We've been fortunate to have, um, you know, started to stumble into vision source in the beginning and have always, you know, made it a priority that we wanted to be in vision source practices. Um, and, you know, with vision source comes help, comes guidance. Um, and so, we use vision source to to help us navigate this process um, from start to finish. Um, you know, they they have we use the next program, the vision source next program. Um, and within the next program, there's guidance all over the place. I mean, from, you know, help with lending from 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 them giving us guidance on, you know, what lenders to use to guidance of practice valuation, um, you know, calculating our EBITDA value, all of those things um, was was already there for us with Vision Source. So that was, uh, you know, that provided a lot of guidance. When you were looking for a practice to purchase, did you have sort of a, 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 a must-have, a list of mandatory requirements that, that you were going to, um, uh, that, that you, that you needed to go through in, in the process? Yeah. So, you know, before we jumped into the acquisition process, um, you know, like I say, John and I, we kind of took our own steps to prepare for acquiring a practice. Um, you know, for example, 
sometimes whenever you're you're looking at lenders or or you're, you're talking to lenders, you know they might require like a, a life a term life policy or something on 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 those loans, right? Um, and so we kind of took that into consideration before because those types of processes can take you know a few months to get finalized, and that can just delay the acquisition or delay your ultimate goal. Um, so we made sure that like that was already in place and and ready to to roll. Um, because I, I'll tell you, that question came up during the process. Mm-hmm. Um, some other things are like, you know, we, we obviously you look at your personal finances too, right? Um, there are a whole bunch of fees and, and um, things that kind of pop up whenever you're acquiring a practice, like, you know, lender fees, attorney fees, accounting fees, um, you know, all these insurance policies you have to purchase. Um, and that has to come from your personal finance because you don't own the business yet, right? So you you don't have money in the business that you can pull from. Um, so we've always kind of kept an like a separate savings account per se for, okay, this is our, our money that we're going to use for a practice acquisition whenever that time comes. So mm-hmm. it makes it easier when the lenders are looking at your personal finances to be like, all right, you know, is this money available? And it's like, yep, we got it. No big deal. Um, it's going to be, it's going to be fine. We have that in savings. Um, so those were a few steps that we took to prepare, uh, and it made the process go easier because it was already already done. You were looking for a, a practice to purchase, and you wanted a, a private practice setting, didn't you? How how is it? Why was it important for you to to look at private practice? So private practice for me, um, you know, it is it's the way I want to practice. It's for me, you know, I have colleagues all over in every mode of practice, and I think that that all of those modes have, uh, you know, an importance to our profession. Um, But for me, private practice fits, you know, my lifestyle. It fits the way I want to practice. You know, I can make my own schedule. Um, I can see patients, you know, I I see patients one every 45 minutes. um, And that's how I want to practice. And so it's important for me to be in that that mode of practice. I'm most content in that mode of practice because I have practiced in other modes as well. Um, But that is, that's just of utmost importance to me. And, and, and it's why, um, I will practice that way, you know, my whole career. Right. And you didn't just take over any practice. Right? I mean, you, uh, a, a lot of the listeners will know Dr. Harvey Hanlon's name. He is well known in the industry. He's, um, uh, as, as a excellent clinician and a, a great practice manager. So mm-hmm. you come into this very high functioning, well-run practice how does that kind of transition go? So, so often the story is, you know, younger ODs take over a practice that's been kind of mm, stalled a little bit in terms of growth. And that's, I don't think that's what you came into. Yeah, no, we are very fortunate. Um, you know, Dr. Hanlon's practice was turnkey. I mean, everything is updated. Uh, it's the latest technology, um, you know, so that, that allowed us to, from the get-go, from day one, to, to just focus on growth, right? Because we don't, we don't have to worry. We don't have to fix something. We don't have to re- make any repairs or purchase any equipment. Um, we can focus on growing the practice, uh, and that is my number one priority uh, from day one. And so, you know, our, my, one of my goals for the first year was to actually hire an associate doctor. Um, and I wanted to stay in the practice for a whole year, full time. Um, and I, I did that with Dr. Halen. He worked for me one day a week for a few months and then he officially retired from patient care. But 
the rest of the time I was there full time because uh, I wanted to see how every month worked in the business, you know, financially, mm -hmm. patient based, everything. Um, and then we had the full year in and that's whenever I actually brought on uh, my associate doctor, Dr. Scott Bauer. Um, and he works for me two days a week um, at the Bullsburg location. And he also works for me two days a week at my dad's practice, too. Um, mm -hmm. So I'm kind of tag team and growing both offices at the same time. But um, that was definitely my goal uh, it, to, to grow. And, and sometimes, like, I'll have colleagues ask me, they'll be like, that's crazy. You know, you just bought a practice and you already you're, you bought a single doctor practice and you already hired an associate. I'm like, yeah, I know. Um, but there are, you know, metrics and, and there are ways to calculate to make sure that you can afford an associate. Um, and of course, we ran all of those numbers and um, it made sense to do that. And even if you have to invest a little in an associate in the beginning, um, they're going to pay off leaps and bounds for you um, over a, a short period of time. Um, mm -hmm. So that was our first year goal and we had met that goal. Um, so we're, we're super excited about that. So, so what are the, what are the upcoming goals? It sounds to me like you're a regular goal setter. I am. Yes. <laughs> and so we have, uh, some, some big goals for the next year too, right? So our biggest goal is we're going to, um, work on, uh, our personal growth, uh, and not necessarily our professional growth, but our personal growth. And we're going to, we're going to purchase the building that the business is in right now, um, and so I think that is kind of, I had a Dr. Mick Kling, he, he's a, a well-known vision source um, business, you know, optometrist, and he helped us tremendously in our, in our acquisition. But he once said, you know, you can, you can only squeeze so much out of your practice, right? You can, you can grow your practice. I mean, I, you can say that, that it's endless, right? But you're, you're still going to only be able to squeeze so much out of it because you still have overhead and costs of goods and payroll and staff and I mean everything. But your personal growth um, can come from, you know, owning real estate and owning uh, equity. Uh, so that is our next big adventure here in the coming months. Um, and then, you know, other opportunities in the years ahead is we'll, we'll, we'll make the transition in, with my dad's practice too um, as he begins to phase out into retirement. So... And, you know, from, from the outside looking in, that sounds so ambitious. Does that, does that frighten you at all? Or do you just feel like this is logical? This is what you, you've run through the numbers. This is the scenario you, you want. Yeah. I mean, it is um, scary, right? Uh, especially now, especially with interest rates um, going up. So it's a little bit uh, scarier right now, but... Um, you know, it also is, it feels right. It feels natural. Um, and I, I won't do something if I don't have a good feeling about it. Um, and I just think that it's the next natural step for John and I. Um, and, you know, we, we just decided, we, we decided as business partners that that seems, that seems to be right. But yeah, there's definitely days where I'm like, oh, maybe I'm biting off too much. Right. Um, but but then it's like, nope, it's okay. We can do this. The, the numbers, the numbers don't lie, um, mm -hmm. and we're able. We're, you know, we won't do it if we can't make it work. Right, right. <clears throat> so you've got the um, you've got the equipment there. You've got sort of the infrastructure, especially with this with this part time uh, associate now as well yep. to to sort mm -hmm. of support this growth. Are there additional 
programs, um, vendor supports, those kinds of things that can that can help bolster your growth too? <clears throat> yeah, so 100%. Um, and I'm kind of glad you asked that because I wanted to, to talk a little bit about um, some things that, you know, that I've learned over the past year. Uh, and that is, you know, the one thing that Harvey, Dr. Well, Dr. Hanlon uh, would always tell me is that, you know, as a business owner, you have to be able to know how to do every everything in your practice, right? Every job, every um, remit has to be able to be, I have to be able to know how to do that, right? I have to be able to know how to do payroll, everything. Um, and so John and I really learned how to do everything. So it's like, mm -hmm. you know, I didn't know how to do payroll or quarterlies or, um, you know, those types of things before we purchased the practice. So we had, we had some, some rough nights trying to figure out how to do those. Um, so we did all of that. And then we realized, okay, we need to be spending our time, you know, doing other things in the practice and growing the practice, even though we know how to do those. So in a pinch, we can, we can do those now that we know, but mm -hmm. we've now outsourced, you know, our payroll and our quarterlies um, to someone else to free us up some time to work on the business. Um, some other things that we've done in the practice is we've, uh, we've learned that it's better to be slightly overstaffed than you know, obviously it's never good to be understaffed uh, and it's it's never good to be just right either because um, you're not just right whenever one person's out, right? So uh, we hired another full-time staff member and that has made things much more comfortable too. So that way the staff doesn't feel that burden that, you know, if one is sick or there's another, you know, obligation or something, they can take off a few hours or a day or half a day um, and mm -hmm. it still is comfortable in the office. Um, and another thing we did was we, we, we switched about 35% of our frame board to, um, to, a you know, a, a static board, like where the, the, the frames stay on the board and not, mm -hmm. you know, like a fluid board where they're kind of coming off. Um, right. you know, so, so that has, you know, I was a little nervous to, to do that, but I'm telling you that plunge has been huge for us because that saves me time now with reps and saves me time with having to think about what frames are going to sell and what frames are not going to sell. Um, it's just every quarter I get, you know, a refresh of frames that just stay on the board um, and I don't really have to worry about it. <clears throat> and I don't have to bind my staff's time up to worry about it either. Um, so that's been incredible. And then we have our online store now. We have online ordering of contacts. So we direct ship almost every contact now, uh, contact lens order. Um, so all of those things have taken time away that I would otherwise have had to, you know, work on myself or delegate staff to do uh, that we can focus on other things like setting goals, for example, like second pair sales or switching monthlies to dailies. Those are the things that I can talk to my staff about and not talk to them about, well, you need to sort these two boxes of contacts. Um, and okay. so I think that's really important uh, for practice growth. And the other one that, again, I'll, uh, I'll, I'll uh, throw in um, Dr. Lori Sorensen's name on this one. She's always like, pre-appoint your patients, pre-appoint your patients. Um, I've never done that before. And now I do that. And uh, I'm booked out like six weeks. It's crazy. So it's pretty cool. Uh, that's what... Um, another little pearl that I've been doing. So all of those things have helped me grow the practice this past year. Um, mm -hmm. And, and that's, that's where we're at. 
And making that shift to pre-appointing your patients, they, they probably didn't balk at it at all. They're already doing it at the dentist and the, the family physician. Yeah, it was, it was not the patients that were uncomfortable. It was the front, ta- the front staff that were uncomfortable because it's, mm-hmm. it's new words for them. It was new, like, you know, I've never asked them to do that before. They don't expect that to come from me. But within a few weeks, they had their, their verbiage down. And, and now it's, it's just like expected, you know, mm-hmm. it, and, and it kind of takes out the whole like old timey recall you know, that whole process. That, that's not even really a thing anymore because it, it, it they're already on the books and they're already going to get their automatic notifications uh, because they're, they're scheduled. So right. yeah, it does. And, and did you spend, when you said that you spent time learning the sort of the, um, you know, the financial administration elements of it. Did you also spend time getting to know the products in your optical, uh, the lens options, the, um, obviously, you know, the contact lens options from, from the exam room, but you may not have known um, the, the optical um, array as well. Yeah. So the, the products in optical, um, I simplified. I, that was one of the first things I did. Um, I took, I, I cut it down to four, you know, progressives that we use, um, it pretty much exclusively every, every now and then you'll have a random one that will pop in, but it's, it's not very common. Um, so like four progressives that we use, you know, three anti-reflective coatings. Um, and then of course, like your transitions, like it, so I made, I made it very simple. Um, so that way we're not, you know, just pulling from product all over the place. Um, and it, it, you know, the staff basically knows like they're going to either do A, B, C, or D, or sometimes even A, B, or C. Um, and they're going to know which one to select based off of what the patient's needs are. Um, and I, I pretty much prescribe it anyways. I tell them, mm. you know, this is what I want this patient to have. Um, so it really takes off that burden completely. But the product um, I had already been pretty familiar with because like I said, I've been using these for for years now uh, in, in within Vision Source, But um, I, that's the first thing I did was simplify it, um, to be able to kind of maximize, you know, okay, let's hone it in, right? Let's just focus on these, <clears throat> these products and know what those products are, you know, what I'm going to be making profit on those products. I did the same thing with contacts too. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, we're going to use these products, th- these contacts or, and I also did the same thing with our fitting schedules too, our contact lens fittings. Hmm. It's, it's simpler. It's like we have, we have uh, let's see, we have two fittings now. Um, before there was, I think, six before, uh, I, before I bought the practice. So now it's just two. Um, and simplifying things just makes it easy. I mean, everyone has to know half as many, a fraction of the numbers now. So mm-hmm. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. So a lot of planning, um, um, a lot of, a lot of simplifying and, and creating efficiencies, um, and uh, promoting that that growth. I mean, these these sound individually like sort of small steps, but taken together, it, it sounds like they've made a, a heck of an impact. Yeah, I, you know, and I think for a long time, I was always like thinking, okay, if my book is full, I'm, I'm good, right? If I have 16 patients on the schedule, it's going to be a good day, right? Well, sometimes that would happen and I'd have like a, no, a low numbers day and I'd be like, what the heck? I just worked, you know, busting my butt off all day. And, and so it's, it's so, it's more about, you know, the dollars made per patient, um, and, and the, and the quality of time and care that you give to that patient, 
um, mm-hmm. in that in that moment. Um, and that's been a hard like kind of realization because it just logically sometimes doesn't make sense, right? You're just like, okay, if I'm busier, I'm, I'm going to be making more money, right? But but that's not that's not the case, really. It's it's about the quality of care you give um, and the time you spend with your patients uh, that that pays off in the long run. Dr. Torito, one of the things that I hear from you is that even though this is this is obviously your practice, you're in your husband's practice, and uh, you, you've gotten the guidance from the uh, doctor that you bought it from um, and others, how important is that community uh, kind of support in, in terms, and I don't mean the patient community, but the community of professional colleagues, your networks, to... Uh, even of your your vendor partners to to kind of help you with ideas. Yeah, it, it's so important, you know, and it's incredibly important in the success of the transition of you know, the acquisition, the transition of, you know, um, seller to buyer, um, because there has to be good communication uh, on on both sides. You know, Harvey, John, and I we talked daily, if not multiple times a day, for months at a time. Um, and then we were also talking to, you know, we, we collectively decided to keep the same accountant, right? That way it made things um, transition easily. So we were all talking to the accountant. Now we did have separate attorneys. I think that's important, um, but you, it's still part of your team, you know, and you talk to your bankers and then you talk to your financial people. And then you talk to, you know, your, we, we're fortunate to have a community uh, within Vision Source where we were able to ask questions on, you know, profit and loss statements, or how do we interpret this? Or how do we, you know, calculate this, this metric? Um, and we had that guidance there the whole time. Uh, that, that's ultimately why this was a successful um, acquisition because of good communication. And we all had the same goal in mind, right? Our goal was to make the transition of patient care seamless from one owner to the next. That way patients don't even, they don't even realize that there was a transition. Like to them, it's just, oh, I'm here for my annual eye exam. And they don't even know that there's been, and that's what, that's, and I, I've gotten feedback on that multiple times. And that's, that's what I wanted to happen. I didn't want them to feel like there was this abrupt change. Um, and that was our goal on both sides. And if you just kept that goal in mind, then, um, you know, why wouldn't it work out? That's wonderful. So in retrospect, are you where you had hoped to be at this point past the the transition ahead of it? Uh, Absolutely. Um, I'm, I'm very happy where I'm at um, because I'm able to, you know, have my practice in state college uh, as an owner and play with it, grow it, kind of use it as a test sometimes and see like what works, what doesn't work. Um, And then I'm also able to, you know, grow my dad's practice too, which is kind of cool. Um, and I get to do that alongside my dad, which is, which is so much fun. Like today we were seeing patients all day together. Um, and you know, after work we get to talk about, you know, how the day went. Um, and so that's very meaningful to me too. And then John, you know, he, he is also an associate full-time at a location, uh, a division source practice. Um, and so we also get to learn from that aspect too. Um, so it's pretty cool. It's, it's a beautiful thing really. Wow. That's a great story. I didn't know that you were working with your dad. That's so that's so lovely. Yeah. Dr. Torito, thank you so much for your time, for sharing your insights, and uh, we wish you tremendous success with the 
with, with all these plans as you're putting them into place. Thanks, Marjolyn. Vision Source Next is here to help you plan your next move. Vision Source Next provides resources and assistance for you at every stage of your career and practice life cycle. Visit visionsourcenext.com. This episode was brought to you by Essilor Luxottica. Thank you for listening. I hope you join us again on WO Voices. If you'd like to be a guest on the series, please send us an email at wovoicesonline at gmail.com, through our website at womeninoptometry.com, through Facebook at WO Magazine, or through Twitter or Instagram at WomenODs. See you next time.